0: Hi, welcome to Solo BG. My name is Derek, and we are in another episode, which is a very special one because I with my friend Caleb Wiles here. How are you, Caleb?
1: I'm doing great. Glad to be back.
0: All right, it sounds good we have a very special episode like i said because we're going to be interviewing adam and brady Saller, which is uh they are the designers of a street masters the board game so what do you think about that
1: well that's one of my uh, favorite games at the moment so i'm uh, curious to know some of their ideas about how they how it came to be and what's next uh in the design
0: okay great so let's bring them to the show and here we go for all of you street masters with solo bg podcast <laughs> So welcome to Solo BG, and we're very happy Mr. Caleb Wells because we're here with the Sander Brothers designers of the Street Masters. How are you guys?
2: We're doing awesome. Thanks for having us on here.
3: Doing real good.
0: Okay, that's good. Um, we're very happy to be with you. We have a lot of questions about the game, about uh, the design and designing process. Um about everything pretty much but right? I tell you we're gonna yeah. try to ask about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. you better ha- oh even Alexa is even Great. so that's that's, that's <laughs> good to know. Okay, so how are you guys tonight?
2: Good, good. Taking a little break from uh writing story cards for Aftershock, so uh it's good to get away from the screen for a little bit.
0: <laughs> all
1: right Perfect. So uh I guess I'm curious uh, about the game design process before we get into that. Maybe we could just get a little bit of information about you guys. So maybe talk about, you know, uh, what are the the board games that brought you into the hobby or, you know, maybe your first designs that you worked on together. Just a little bit of an intro about yourselves.
2: Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Adam. You can start.
3: Sure. Um, Brady and I have played board games a lot when we were kids, but one of the biggest influences, I think, pushing us into the – Hardcore board gaming was. One uh, year, Brady got a copy of Hero Quest for Christmas, um, and our mom played us through that, and it kind of opened the door to all these cool, like you know, fantasy type games and stuff. So that kind of opened the door to us to the new games, and um, that kind of led later the year, later in the years, I, I found a game on the sh- uh, shelf at the game store called Descent, and uh, people might recognize that from you know Fantasy Flight Games, and uh, I was like, oh, cool, you know, it's kind of like Hero Quest. Uh, so that you know, that introduced us to Fantasy Flight Games. And after college, um, we both ended up working at Fantasy Flight Games, uh, probably worked there for about three years or so. During my time there, I was lead designer on Descent 2nd Edition, which was pretty awesome because that's the game that introduced me to FFG. Um, so I managed to get that uh, role, which was pretty pretty awesome at the time, and um, worked there for a while. And then after we left FFG, we, we stayed in good terms with them. We uh, signed on to do Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, which was our first uh published co-design, and we've been doing freelance games ever since.
2: And you left me no ammo. You covered it all, Adam. (laughs) I will just add, though, I will just add on top of that that one of the, like, as far as, like, games that got us into the hobby, I think one of the most significant ones for me personally uh, was around the same time uh, we got into Descent, I also picked up Arkham Horror, and that was my first real, like, cooperative experience, like, okay. purely cooperative. So that kind of changed my whole view on... I like, opened all, the door to all these co-op games, and that's pretty much what we've just designed, really, ourselves, and that's all I really buy and play is cooperative games. So that was pretty significant for me.
0: Okay, so now that you mentioned the, the cooperative games... Uh which one for you guys, for both of you, which one is your favorite? Like do you like to play uh, better cooperative or competitive games or? Whatever? Yeah, I, then, I
2: prefer I think I prefer cooperative uh like pretty much universally. I'll, I I do play other competitive games. I like a lot of euro games. Um, my wife loves euro stuff, so I'll play with her like viticulture and stuff like that, but personally I always tend to gravitate toward uh thematic cooperative games. As far as my favorite like if you're asking for like a favorite individual game, um, I think the before we designed Street Masters, my favorite game was Lord of the Rings LCG. Um, I really tend to gravitate toward cooperative card games, and that one was an obvious choice because Lord of the Rings is awesome. So, yeah, it's a pretty good
0: game, man. Uh, what do you yeah. think about Arkham Horror, the, the one that has the same mechanic? The Living Card Game. I, I
2: I enjoy that one a lot. I think my and I talked to Matt, the designer. Um, I, I we've actually worked on it. We we designed the Dunwich box, uh, the Return to Dunwich okay. box. So yes. that that's coming out later but um so yeah we we like the game. I think my only issue is I the only thing that gets me to Lord of the Rings more than Arkham is this the the campaign stuff is not I'm not always looking for campaign play and Arkham seems to really only shine in the campaign. You can do the one-offs and everything, but um I think I kind of prefer the the one-off uh stuff that
3: Lord of the Rings offers.
0: What about you Adam?
3: So I we we play tons of co-op games on game nights, um, or board game nights. But uh, me personally, what really got me into gaming um, aside after like HeroQuest and like that was as Warhammer. Um, so I've always been a big tabletop miniatures war gamer. Um, so I still love you know assembling, painting models. Um, games Workshop gets like half my paycheck every month. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's kind of where I spend a lot of my gaming time.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Cool. So uh I, I'm interested in game design sort of as an outsider looking in and you know it, it strikes me as something that maybe I want to pursue at some point at least as you know sort of a niche part of this hobby whether I ever go further than that you know I guess time will tell but yeah. I'm always interested for game designers, especially since you guys are sort of unique in that you you know co-design your works um, when you're managing a new design I mean I know it's hard to determine where inspiration comes from but I guess once that inspiration comes comes to you in some form do you spend a lot of time you know thinking about the game theory theory crafting the game or do you try to print things out and get things to the table and test out mechanics like what's sort of your process at the beginning of a design
3: well i think go ahead adam go ahead I i think every tendency is to brainstorm um and you know make notes and all this stuff um and just think about it and that's i mean obviously everybody does that but it's The hardest part of game design is just getting something to the table as soon as possible and seeing how it works, how you want it to work, you know, letting it fall apart and then finding ways to put it back together and and make it better every time. Um, So that's the biggest hurdle is to actually get something to the table and start playing something.
2: Yeah, Um, I can't overstate how important it is to uh, learn the learn the principle of failing fast, and that that applies to almost any creative endeavor. Is do something quickly and see what happened, what went wrong. Um, learn from it. because if you if you get something at the table, if you have an idea, then you you gestate, you sit at at a computer and type out notes. You can literally do that for years at a time because you just want to perfect it before you make something out of this thing that's building up in your head, and you don't want it to fail because you're putting so much effort into these notes. But if you just get something at the table and play a complete game like start to end that'll show you so much more than like uh, years worth of notes will show you so it's very like to me it's very essential just to get as many versions of the table as quickly as possible to see what you have fun doing because the act of playing games sitting down at a table and playing a game will always tell you so much more than just thinking about those mechanics abstractly
3: yep. you know yeah and that's why it's good also to like why we like working as a as a design team is because it's a lot easier to have someone else covering up covering your back when you're not doing what you think you should be doing like for example my tendency is to just take notes and, and and brainstorm things and make sure something's perfect before i before i mess up and brady's tendency is to just start doing stuff and messing up as quick as possible like brady will design 20 versions of a game until you know before i get to the table with my one idea that i wanted to do so <laughs>
2: I love I love failing. I'm really good at failing. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, we have something in common, I guess. <laughs> so um, the the next thing will be like now that we're talking about the designing, um, which was the first game that you got designed? Like which one was the the you know like the baby one, the one that you were the first <laughs> time. My uh, well, my together. Very, Oh, together. together. Yeah,
2: well, you can tell yours after the, after our first, our first real design was a very strange uh, space. I mean, this was not published. Obviously, our first published design was Warhammer Quest, but the first one we designed together was this like space. Simulation style game where it was you. We had you had a ship board and you had crew members running around the ship, and then you had a, a, the space board with hexes and there's enemy ships flying around. And it kind of had this like pandemic feel almost on the map on the space map, but you had to move around by moving your crew to these different positions on the ship and it, so like and it didn't have much functionality. It was more just uh, a proof of concept of of a game. So we didn't get very far with it, but that was our first probably attempt to co design something.
0: Okay. And when is it going to be published? <laughs> I think actually, so. actually, actually, I have ideas for that one uh, using <laughs> yeah. the Streetmaster
3: system. So. <laughs> That's cool. That
0: would be cool, yeah, to get, bring some aliens into the uh, Streetmaster as well, I guess. Back out. <laughs> now, wh- what about the first one that was published?
3: Uh, my very first published game was a game called uh, Avatar, the, from Avatar the Movie. It was a board game based on that. I was working at a puzzle and game company, and it was you know one of those straight, like, straight-to-retail, mass-market games that, you know, design for kids just to sell a product because it slapped the label of a movie on it. But that was kind of my, my first experience designing a game. I never really sought out to do it. I was just working at the company during college, and I was working as a graphic designer, sort of, and that game just came up, and someone nobody could design games there. And I said, well, I play games. I'll try it. And so yes. I realized I kind of had a knack for it, and from there I applied for a job at FFG. <laughs>
0: That's cool. And, what about you, Brady?
2: Uh, so my my first published, uh, products, like I, not, not a core design, but my first product when I was at FFG, I worked as a content, well I was, I initially came on board at FFG as, uh, a marketing copywriter, but before I came on full time, I was working for the, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Um I was, uh, Product line, so I was I was an RPG writer, so I had a few books under my belt when I came on board. Um, But as as far as board games go, besides the RPG books, um, I think it was either the Mansions of Madness Forbidden Alchemy. No, it was before before Forbidden Alchemy. There was a couple uh, POD Mansions of Madness scenarios that I helped write. Um, So one of those two, and then I also did the Gears of War expansion. So I had a few like little bits and pieces, but the first actual published design was our co-design for Warhammer Quest.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, because actually now that you mentioned Manches Man- of the Madness, uh, I guess besides Street Master, that's another one that is on my top three right now. Like, oh, nice. nice. It, it's, it's, it's just great. Like the, I feel like, I, I don't know if, if I'm correct in this aspect, but I feel that they have a lot of uh, similarities, kind of, for Street Fighters and Manches of the Madness. I mean, of <laughs> course, the, the theme is way different. Right, right. Don't, don't you agree? Like it's kind of, a, kind of a, the same. How to say? Like very open that you can pretty much go in
1: you know, the like, same map
0: wherever you want to go.
1: I guess in the yeah. fact that they both feel very thematic and they they both have sort of a fleshed out world that you're, you know, living in.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. They're
2: it. doing uni- Yeah, you're doing unique, unique things in confined spaces. So it does because I mean, Street Masters does have the. The dungeon crawl, uh, you know, vibe to it, even though you're just playing on that one tile. So, um, so it, it can, it can re- translate to those types of games pretty easily. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, from the games that you, uh, that you had designed, which one is your favorite and why?
2: That's pretty easy for me, Street Masters by far is my favorite game not not that we just designed, but it's my favorite game that's on the market right now like by far it just and it's it's hard to say that without sounding like biased or something or just like patting yourself on the back. but we just happen to tap into something exactly of what I was missing on the market and what I wanted on the market and since we've gotten the final production version of the game, it's by far the most played game on my shelf it's just it's it's exactly what I wanted
3: out of a game so
0: what about you, Adam? You think I, think my, your
3: favorite way? I think my favorite is probably Brook City um, because we, we took a lot of things we learned from Street Masters and tried to refine them and bring it to a different setting. And while it, plays, it play has a similar mechanics, it, it feels totally different when you're playing it, having the whole open world, like, Grand Theft Auto feel to it. Um, we get plays the cops, and they're like inspired by 80s and 90s action cop movies. Yeah. Just,
2: but you're cheating, though, because it's not out yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't have. To just so ask that. one that's out. Okay. <laughs> I, I remember. Uh, see, I remember seeing it at the Janko when I actually when I when we demoed the Street Masters and and you convinced me guy because it, actually I was very surprised about the game. Uh, and then I remember seeing it at Brook City and I remember seeing. Kind of the Mel Gibson on the cover right there, right? Is it Mel Gibson? <laughs> yep, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's our, it's our version.
2: It's it's Gail Mipson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: was going say, do you, do you call Mel Gibson too?
3: <laughs> his, his, his character's name is Gabe Fulton, but he's yeah. definitely inspired by
0: Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. I, like it. I it. Okay, so.
1: So another question I'm curious about is when you guys, uh, I, I would assume being designers, you keep up with what's coming out in the board game, you know, marketplace, and you play games and get ideas. Uh, do you find that it's difficult to sort of just play games as a gamer as opposed to looking at things more mechanically and, uh, you know, almost with a critic's eye now that you're you know, deeper in the design world?
2: I'd say Um, for me, it's not a problem at all because I'm not a I'm not a super deep thinker. (laughs) Like like I do I do get inspired by stuff I see, but I am just as much of a fan as anybody else. I'll just I mean, there are a few a few instances while when I play a game, and if I know how it could have been done better, like if I'm not enjoying the game and I'm I'm thinking, oh, if they would have just done this. This would have been fun. So, but the, I think those are more circumstances of games that I'm just not a big fan of. You know, it's, I might not like how this game was designed, but I think it doesn't affect my enjoyment of games that I normally would enjoy. So, um, it doesn't affect me too
3: much in that regard. Yeah, I mean, the more the more you work on games, the more you'll notice things when you're playing. Um, you might you know see a mechanic that you might not be familiar with, and like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, keep that in mind. Maybe we'll do something like that in the future uh, if we're doing a game like this. But uh, like Brady said, we're kind of we're fans first, I and mean, we're we make games because we like playing games, and we've always you know we've always been gamers, um, so we we kind of just play games for fun like anybody else. Uh, but we will you know we'll notice things uh, and take notes if we need to. But
1: so, speak, so the, of the games you're playing, you know, do you have a top? Doesn't have to be a top three or a top five or whatever. But like, what are some standouts that? Uh, it could be a
0: top twenty if you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I think, I
2: think I'll say my, my top five right now. I, I, do have some current ones I'm enjoying. Um, I'm kind of a latecomer on Stonemeyer, um, Jeremy Stackmeyer's company. So I, I just recently picked up Viticulture. My wife and I played that. I'm really in love with that game. Um, it's just a nice, calm, wine-making Euro game, but I really, really enjoy it. Um, on the same token, that's like one of them. And inside, I picked that up. And that's got a pretty cool solo mode. The, the Atama mode's pretty nice. So, and plus I've been playing three player games of it as well before we start working on the campaign. So those two games are definitely, uh, standouts for me right now. Um, I also just picked up the Kickstarter for Reckoners. And holy cow, that game is...
0: <laughs> now, now it starts to get scary because actually last night, well, we, last night we had our weekly game night. And we just happen to play side and the Reckoners. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> Good timing. <laughs> were you, were you spying us? Uh,
2: like very,
0: I think we're all our, there or something?
2: getting our kickstars at the same time or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that game is, uh, it's, it's a rough co-op, but it's, it's, it is. it's very well yeah. produced. And, um, I think the other, like the other two ones I've been kind of, uh, kind of hot on lately are, uh, um, What's it called? Root. Root was pretty fun. Uh, played that with my daughter a little bit. And um, probably have to go with uh, the new Fallout game also, which I haven't got to play a whole lot of. The new, Not the FFG one, the Fallout miniatures game by uh, okay. Um Because Adam and I played uh, just one little so, uh, co-op mission, because I've been intrigued by a co-op solo miniatures skirmish game. So mm-hmm. I would definitely want to dig more into that, but I've, the one game I've played, that has got me really excited about it.
0: Okay. You
3: yeah, it's so it's so hard to keep up with, like, all the like games, so many games coming out, you know, every year. It's hard to keep up with the hotness or whatever, um, but I'm typically playing whatever, you know, whatever Brady pulls out on game night, I'll be playing. Um, but I do, I am digging the Fallout Wasteland Warfare. It's it's really cool. Um, other than other than that, um, play a lot of, uh, like, Kill Team, Warhammer 40K Kill Team, and um, uh, Warhammer Underworld Shadespire. Actually actually, the new Night Vault just came out. I just picked that up, and I'm actually assembling the models right now. But the, that game is cool. It's nice to have a miniatures game you can play in, in like, 15 minutes to half an hour. Um, well, play over a lunch break. So. Yeah,
0: that's true. So now that, now that we, we're going to go into more, like, I guess, hard competitive questions here on the interview. <laughs> like, like, like this one. Who, who, who came up with the idea of Street Masters?
3: <laughs> uh, well, actually, that's kind of funny, uh, because... We were we had so many different versions of the game um, that we were tweaking with when we were when we signed the contract. We had so many different ways to do this beat em up game. Uh, but Brady has always liked to play Sentinel of the Multiverse. Um, you guys familiar with that game? Well, uh-huh. I, I think you should say
2: more that Brady's liked to buy all the cards. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Once in a while, I'll play the game, but it's it doesn't scale very well. Prepared. Yeah,
3: it was always a game for me where I wanted to like it, but I, every time I played it, I just I left table not satisfied like it not a fun experience and um i always wanted i always wanted more out of the game but i love that model of you know like you pick an enemy you pick a you know an environment you pick a hero deck and you just fight um i like that concept um and when they announced they were, they were doing like a game called sentinel's tactics at one point and what i thought it would be would be what we envisioned for street masters like i wanted to have that kind of experience but more of a tactical miniatures um you know throw some dice in there so that's, i think that's kind of what sparked it. Whenever I was, whenever I played some of those tactics, I was like, "This is not what I thought it was going to be." But Street Masters is what I thought it should have been. So that's kind of where that came from in my mind.
2: Yeah, and as far as the concept goes, um, we were kind of approached because Blacklist was was start trying to start a company, and they they needed a flagship game. So they they had uh, heard of us in, in the past, whether thematic co-ops, and they they wanted a thematic co-op. Um, but they had these. Um, they had some preliminary character sketches that were like very Street Fighter oriented. So when they approached us, I, I was like, "This looks kind of, kind of like an arcade fighter." But if, if we if we do like a, a arcade inspired game, it'd, be, it'd definitely be a co op, and be more along the lines of like Double Dragon or Streets of Rage. Those because Adam and I grew up playing couch co ops on the NES. You know, we just played Double Dragon all the time, Double Dragon Two. I mean, and um, so that was kind of the. Impetus for it, but uh, we just kind of went off the deep end from there. After like Adam was saying, we had a bunch of versions of the game. Um, of course, like usual, I hit the ground running with a bunch of failed attempts of you know <laughs> more complex AI systems and all this, yeah. uh, all the stuff. And it, none, none of it really s- spoke to us. It was it was working, but it was like and it was a cool. We had a cool game built. but but we're kind of just at this point where let's just scrap all this for now and build what we really, really want, which is a fixed deck, you know, just straight combat games. So that's what we got.
1: When you guys are thinking about making, you know, expansions, because, you know, there's been a lot of support for the game. Uh, It's it's sort of like... Nice to know that when you open the base box that there's still a big, you know, and you, and you love the first game, the second game, the third game, you go, wow, I still got a long way to go, uh, <laughs> ever ever growing. So it feels like.
0: That happens to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you can definitely tell that your, you know, vision based on the Sentinels, uh, you know, original ideas sort of comes through on here. But as you guys are expanding, that seems like, a, you know, almost a completely different design process from the outside, uh, you know, how, when you're going to make an expansion, do you have just leftover ideas that didn't make it into a previous version that you flesh out or do you, you know, start from scratch with new characters? How, how, sort of what's the process for expanding the game?
3: So designing games for Kickstarter is difficult because when you're, especially like these big miniatures games, um, a lot of times the publisher wants a lot of content right, right out of the gate to have for stretch goal ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of, you know, in the past, in our experience with working publishers, we would, you know, sign a contract for a game, we would design a base game, deliver it, and then they would put it out. If it did well, we would get signed on for expansion, stuff like that. And this, and, you know, and for Kickstarter, you're just designing a core game and all this content right out of the gate, and it's, it's a lot of stuff up front. So with Street Masters, we knew we were designing a game to to be expanded on. We, we had left it open for expansions, um, and we kind of just designed all that stuff right from the beginning, you know. Um, it's,
2: it's almost like a giant, in, in that sense, it's almost like a giant, uh, core game with just like a lot of, a lot of, uh, ver- uh, horizontally expanded content. Now, the funny thing about it is at, like, when we were working on the core set alone, like, when we first hammered down the, the design and got the core set together, I, we were pretty happy with the decks. We were liking where everything went, but I was kind of, Nervous. I was like, man. I mean, I I don't know if we fully explored the design space of this game, but I'm feeling like it might we might have a, a ceiling at some point with with what we can do with these decks. And then we started working on the expansions for the first Kickstarter, and immediately after doing a few decks, I had ideas for like 10 other expansions right away like so the design space really opened up immediately so now working on aftershock it's just i haven't had any hang-ups i haven't stopped thinking like oh what should we do i just i seem to always have an idea to roll with you know we, so
3: we will say with aftershock specifically we did include things in that expansion that we got we got feedback from the game now that's out there with backers and stuff and we have like a Street streetmasters fan page we get lots okay. of you know people giving us opinions and things and usually they're overwhelming anything. what's that
0: I'm a member there,
3: yeah <laughs> awesome, <laughs> yeah, we get so much positive feedback, it's great, but then there's also people that have concerns about certain uh experiences in the game, things like you know downtime on four player games, you know, because turns are longer, so we in aftershock, we would bring in stuff like mission the mission cards that would you kind of kind of address that, and so aftershock really kind of honed in on things we thought might be lacking or could be approved upon, um and that expansion um definitely. Taps into that kind of um, content
0: and it's, it's funny because now that you were talking about the process of you know creating the campaigns the scenarios and the characters one thing that we mentioned on your uh, on the review of the game on previous episodes is that um, I really enjoy or I really appreciate that even if the characters of course, has a very nostalgic uh, I guess uh, how do you say like um, inspiration from Street masters and Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. I feel like even if it's like that, it doesn't seem like it's like, you know, like I'm going to say it like it's like a simple copy. It seems mm-hmm. like you get the inspiration from, but you develop a character uh, way different at the same time. And also, for example, you know, in my case, I really like the uh, Tigres Azules uh, one, you know, because I feel kind of related with my <laughs> Mexican heritage <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. and, uh, and the wrestlers and everything. So I really appreciate that, that you were kind of open in that aspect, that, you know, to include a little bit of a lot of buyer, variances in, in the characters.
2: Because awesome. you know, we were gonna have Tiger was gonna be a Nacho Libre reference. Oh, for, there you go. <laughs> we, got, we got no Tiger in there instead. <laughs> Nacho yeah. Libre's favorite movies ever. So <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. So, and now they're talking about the characters. Uh, let's start with you, Brady. Which one is your favorite character of the Street Masters, and why?
2: So this is kind of a cheat, obviously, because because we did get featured in the game. Adam and I both appeared. Well, you, I, you're not,
0: not allowed to say yourself. Okay?
2: <laughs> okay, that's that's fair enough. So because my character is kind of just too good anyway. So I think beyond uh, besides him, I think my favorite fighter actually was um, from the Redemption box. Uh, Juan Juan's fighter deck is super cool. Like I'm really happy with that deck. Um, I think the the support like people. I don't think a lot of players have yet to unlock how amazing he is as a support character because he offers a lot of action economy because he can like have other fighters do actions on their turn on on his turn so he can say oh i'm gonna choose you to do an action so he's really good at positioning other people to do to do jobs for him which is very thematic for him being like a mob boss type guy so
3: i will i will say i did design axel to be my ideal fighter because it's my preferred play style but since i can't pick axel I'm gonna try to cheat and pick uh, one of the fighters in Aftershock. Uh, Veda, she okay. is probably my new favorite Pearl fighter. <laughs> yeah, she's she's been teased by Blacklist Facebook page has teased her, so people can check out the art. And I think they also teased the miniature. Um, yeah. she's she's a badass like telekinesis fighter where she can move people around, and she's also got some cool support abilities. Um, she plays a lot different than other fighters, and she's probably my new favorite.
0: Okay,
1: that's cool. Uh, so. I was sort of surprised to hear, you know, that you guys – it wasn't the idea for the – you you know, to make the game and add the characters yourself that sort of, like, came to you with some of these characters, you know, in preliminary versions. Uh Um, So are there any sort of licenses or character worlds that you would like to maybe build a game within that, you know, maybe things uh, from superheroes or movies or anything like that? Mel Gibson, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So
2: there's two – there's, there's one, the one thing that we can't discuss yet, but it'll probably be pretty soon after Kickstarter. Um, I would retro, you know, like retroactively, you can imagine me saying that was a what I want to do. So when that gets announced, then our next blacklist game, that's, the, that's the property I want to work in. But typically, um, we, Adam and I are kind of weird where we've done a lot of license stuff. Like we designed a walking dead game for cryptozoic. Um, so we, we do have some fun working with licenses. But we always preferred it to world build. We love building our own worlds. And a lot of times we don't mind taking influences from, you know, obviously Brook City has a lot of influences from pop culture, you know, action cop movies, but we'd much rather take those ideas and make a new world. with just kind of like a little tongue in cheek references to, to existing things. Um, yeah. so I, 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 want to say what property I want to work on, but it's a, it's a surprise. So I can't say it right now. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well,
0: we will be we, calling you for the
3: premise, <laughs> We've, we definitely have ideas for, uh, games with, more games of Blacklist. They, they're, they're a cool publisher because they, they let us do whatever we want, basically, uh, and from a game design standpoint, we have a lot of creative control, uh, which is rare with a lot of publishers we work with. So that's cool. And, um, we do have, like, for example, Brady and I were developing a, like, a traditional fantasy setting that someday we might do a game in, um, but it's pretty much like an all-original setting that we put together ourselves. So we're excited to do something with that. But we also have other ideas, like Brady said, we can't talk about the next one yet, but
0: okay. it's exciting. Well, then let's talk about what we can talk, right? Sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. On October 23rd, it's going to be released uh, Aftershock on Kickstarter, right? Right. Correct. Okay. So what can we expect from Aftershock? That will be one question. And the other one that I have is that I have seen, like, the different, you know, uh, announcement on the different uh, Facebook page. I guess I can say the, the Facebook page in that way. If somebody else out there doesn't belong already to those ones, they can look for them. I have here, like, I think, in solo board games and the Street Masters fan page and uh, uh, a board gamers one that it seems like it's going to be an, like a standalone game or it's an expansion for Street Masters. Like What, what I'm going to say is like after Show. will you be able to play it by itself or you will require to have the, the core, the base game?
2: It, it will require the base game. So the, the idea behind Aftershock was originally it was going to be a small expansion with a reprint of all the kicks of all the first Kickstarter stuff because all of that's out of print and we, and we have a lot of demand for it. So we want to reprint it and put it into like distribution, get it into stores and everything. So that was the idea behind it, but it's evolved a lot since then based on a lot of, you know, feedback we've gotten and the excitement building around the game. So we ended up just going all out and building a full expansion. Not only that. But AfterShock will come in a big storage box that's designed to hold all of your content. So you can you'll be able to fit everything that's currently available and everything that we have planned for this Kickstarter in this box. It's pretty massive.
0: Great, so, yeah, yeah, that but. sounds super great. Actually, now correct me if I'm wrong again. Uh, all the characters are gonna be female, right?
2: Yes, the the aftershock comes with four fighters, three of which are female, one of
3: which is a monster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <Yeah. laughs> so,
3: so he he's a monster and a human. He comes with two figures, so he's like a he transforms.
0: Okay, okay, okay. He's We're
2: a mild mannered janitor from a from a science lab, and he drinks some some bad some bad uh, formula and turns into a beast. So he's like a Hulk, essentially. <laughs>
0: is that is that formula is crown royal by any chance? What's <laughs> that? Is that formula that is Crown Royal? What he looks like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. much of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when you guys release the uh, AfterShock Kickstarter, are there going to be other cam uh, other uh, expansions released? I think there's like an Essence of Evil. I feel like I've heard. Yes. We, is that we
3: did? Like that one is going to be. There's going to be a pledge level where you can get the AfterShock expansion in that. Uh, essence of evil is a kickstarter exclusive which can be included in that pledge level um and we do have lots of cool things planned with stretch goals um that if it does well enough maybe there'll be some other stuff in there um that might become expansions but it's all depending on how well it does how well and the kickstarter I, 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 does
2: yeah and i've been promised by blacklist if we can make a million dollars i get to make my <laughs> dream expansion and uh, you you really want to see that? Everyone wants to see that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> if we get, if we get around the one million dollar mark and people are like, "What
0: is
2: this expansion?" It's because of Brady. Okay.
0: <laughs> can you tell us about a little bit about that expansion?
2: Uh, all, all I can say is, well, actually no, I can't really say too much at all because I think anything I say will kind of just ruin the the humor behind the surprise. I think so. Okay. Uh, see, so, yeah, I think I'll I'll just wait. But it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. <laughs>
0: okay. So- Everybody, you hear that? We need to back up the game in <laughs> yeah. the million-dollar expansion, which is going to be out of this world. Now, <laughs> it literally know. out of this world. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I guess it's going to involve aliens now. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Okay. Then, so, um, you mentioned the essence of evil. Now, that's another expansion. What can we expect for that from that expansion?
2: So that one's going to have a new enemy faction, a new fighter, one new fighter, um, one, uh, two new stages, a new story deck, and a showdown deck, which is a new concept for the enemy faction, which is called the Ayukashi, the Ayakashi, And then the uh, fighter, the uh, hero story for the new hero, which uh, I don't think we've revealed yet, but he's pretty cool.
3: Well, we revealed the cover art.
0: So right, he's the cover,
2: there. but Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, you can you can imagine that's the hero on the co- the fighter on the cover, but we haven't revealed much info about him so.
0: Yeah, because actually one of the things that we well Caleb and I we both really appreciate it because we we have been talking in the past one of the things that we really appreciate from this game is the the replayability that it has. I remember on the Gen Con when I had when I met you personally and I and I got the game there, uh one of my questions after I played it, I asked you guys like, "Well, what about the replayability?" because um you know, as a lot of people the listeners know that uh, I'm big in solo uh, mm-hmm. gaming and cooperative too. So the replayability for me in a game is a huge filter, mm-hmm. in order if I wanna uh, if I wanna get it. And I was surprised on the big, big replayability that this game has. So
3: oh we, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, some some of our biggest the biggest fans of the game talk to us and they say that they play it all the time and they still haven't even got past the base game. Like They yeah. just play different combinations and.
2: Yeah, and it's crazy because I I always appreciate I, I get like just impressed whenever I open the box and I see all these these stages to go through. But I could pick like I play sudden death and I play gone ballistic a lot, and I I always use those to introduce new players. I've yeah. probably played those each of those stages like fifty plus times. And I still I never ever feel like it's a boring stage. Like I could play the same stage, maybe a different fighter, maybe a different enemy, or just throw in a different rival and ally, and it's it just always creates a different experience, even though you're playing the same decks. But then you also have all those decks to mix and match if you ever got somewhat bored of those combinations. So there's this there's there's so much to explore in that whole that whole box.
0: Why do you guys made it
2: so hard? <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a learning curve to it. But once, once you figure out, once you, uh, I always like to say to just read through the decks before playing, just kind of get a feel for what all the cards do, how to find the synergies and everything. But, but it does kind of come down to like what matchups you use. Like, like for example, you'll have just natural, uh, synergies. Like for, if you have Natalia, she's probably always going to just destroy, um, the Brotherhood, because she can disarm all of Dimitri's gear whenever she wants by using her disarm card. Um, so she's really good against him. Um then you have guys like Kiri who has a lot of area damage, so he can go to a stage that has a bunch of goons, like in Steel Memories, and just dominate the map. So it all, it all depends on what situation you're in. And part of the fun for me is going, and taking a fighter who's not good at a stage and seeing if I, seeing if I can get through it by the skin of my teeth, you know. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's we made sure we at least won once on every stage combination before we release the game but it, yeah some of them are a little harder than others yeah, yeah
0: because when we were playing campaigns remember we were just getting only like spoiler alert, like <laughs> <laughs> part b part b part b part b <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not very good <laughs> but the
1: thing though i like about it, though is it, you know it's, sometimes you ultimately end up losing but you feel so powerful throughout the game like mm-hmm. you almost feel overpowered and then you end up you know maybe it doesn't go your way at the end and you end up you know, realizing, well, I guess the game is balanced because even though I felt like I was, you know, totally overpowered at one point, uh, you know, it still came out okay in the end. So I think that's one of the cool things: is it feels really difficult, but also you feel really powerful. So
2: yeah, that was the goal too, because I I don't like a lot of just uphill battle games. Like like part of, part of I won't critique Reckoners on here. Obviously, I'm not like sure. a, a game critic, but what like I was playing that, and I did feel like it was most of that game was just this uphill battle and. Mm-hmm. From a design standpoint, Adam, I like to, to put way more, just way more power in the player's hands. And if they happen to lose, it's like, for example, like you were saying, you could be doing really well. You have all these cards out. You're just dealing tons of damage, but you overlook, oh, I only had three health left and that guy right. punched. Dang, I lost. <laughs> you know? Right. So it's have just very situational.
1: <laughs> and it does feel like when you do lose a game that you could have done something different that would have changed the result. You know? Right. When I first saw this, when Derek, you know, bought it and brought it out. I was like, oh, this looks interesting, I'll, yeah. I'll play it. But it, I thought, you know, it was going to be one of those sort of, uh, you know, move around, luck fest, dice rolling things. And, you know, the mechanics make it where that's definitely not the case because, you know, depending yeah. on how you, you know, every time you roll, you're going to get something out of it. So uh, it's a lot less yeah,
3: much- That was definitely a big hurdle for the game when people, uh, for the Kickstarter, like last Kickstarter, uh, people didn't know Blacklist, this new publisher, um, and they didn't know much about the game. We didn't have a lot of reviewers out there. So it was, people just assumed it was a competitive dice fest game or something. And it's like, no, it, it's, it's a cooperative strategic tactical miniatures game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Sometimes I wish it was a luck fest because I, I can get lucky sometimes with rolls, but when it's like so much strategy and so much card play, you yeah. just feel like adults sometimes for screwing up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So now that – well, we know now that on – remember, people, on October 23rd, we're going to have expansions and probably the $1 million expansion, which is going to be <laughs> gonna $1 million out of these world expansion.
2: <laughs> I'm going I'm to dedicate it to Derek. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Gonna, I, I hope I can have my – my little Mexican name just at the bottom. <laughs> <of my question. laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um, so what is the future after that for Street Masters? Like, have you guys thought about? Okay, we're now you know focusing on this Kickstarter, but what's what's coming after that? Like for Street Masters.
2: My, my personal goal for, for Street Masters specifically is I, I really obviously want to make sure we can make this one the best it can be and get as much like value for, for baggers and just get as much hype for the game that I think the game deserves. So that's my goal immediately going and, and if we can achieve that, even, even if we don't hit like these expectations that I randomly set for ourselves every once in a while, as long as it does well enough where let's say, Every like at least at least once a year, we could put out a new *Essence of Evil* size expansion. Here's a new box with a new fighter, a new enemy deck, and a couple new stages. Like just to keep supporting the game, that would be enough for me because like we wouldn't have to keep doing like a once a year huge kickstarters. But as long as we have this you know successful one that builds the foundation, gets the game out there in the market, um, I'd be more than happy just to put out retail expansions and support it. But that does not at all say we wouldn't do. Uh, more Kickstarters, if, if, if it was, you know, requested, if it was, you know, desired. Um, uh, yeah, I, will,
3: kind of- I mean, I will say, I, even after the first Kickstarter, there's just so much content for the game. And if we, if this aftershock Kickstarter does even half as well as we hope it does, there's yeah. going to be a lot more. So the game's going to, it's going to be like, I don't know, uh, five years worth of content for a typical game line, you know. Um, so it all depends on how well the Kickstarter does, but mm-hmm. we we have so much, so many ideas for the game. Um we have so many okay. ideas for o- other games that use a similar system as well. So,
0: so it seems like we're gonna have a Street a Street Masters for a while, right? That <laughs> Hopefully, that's, so that's the, the goal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems like okay, bye-bye job. You know, I need. To, I'm gonna dedicate myself <laughs> to try to keep these baddies all day long. <laughs> that's the idea. So we, now we heard about another project that you guys are working on it, and uh, I believe that project is gonna be published by Fantasy Flight. And it's a game that it will be, it's a fully designed by both of you. Uh, can you tell us about that project too? This
3: is yeah. Heroes of <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly. Yes. Right. I didn't yes, want so... to go in, probably spoiler.
3: Doing <laughs> <laughs> me to say the wrong name or something like we're working on something. Yeah, so Heroes of off is. Should be coming out uh, any time now. They said they told us Q4 of this year, so um, yeah, depending on when this
2: podcast releases, it might be out. Hopefully, yeah.
3: But anybody well, who's uh, familiar with our Warhammer Quest Adventure Card Game um, and liked it, uh, will more than more than definitely like uh, hear the tear off. It's uh, uses the same system, a little bit refined, some things uh, cleaned up um just a few changes uh like the, the biggest change is the fact that there's um there's 12 heroes in the box now um they have cl- they have archetypes and classes so you can mix and match different heroes and classes and there's no campaign in the base game it's uh, eight quests and you can level up uh, your character within each individual quest
0: okay but there will be expansions for a campaign probably
3: I would love that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it depends really depends on how well the game does, but we have lots of ideas for that.
2: Yeah, the 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 tricky part is since we're not with FFG full time. Um, I mean, even if we were, we wouldn't have much to share beyond what their what their marketing team can say. But we're just totally at their mercy as as a, can they have to fit their schedule with with games based on you know. Performance. So, assuming the game does well, we can we can have a lot of leverage to say, "Hey, FFG, we got some expansion ideas. Let's let's do this." So, it's all a matter of how it does when it opens up. So,
0: okay. And the release date for this game? Do did, did you have it or? Uh, no. It's...
2: Yeah, it's supposed to be supposed to be soon. But the, yeah, I, I think the I think the the technical it's been on the boat for like at least a week or two. So it could be anytime. On now. the boat for
3: like a month or. Has it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. We, we were assuming it'd be sometime in October. That was just our guess. Maybe maybe November, but it, they just told us Q4, so we're just guessing.
0: That's great. Just before Christmas and before my birthday and all that stuff. So. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, I'm pretty sure they're trying hard for before Christmas, yeah. I, I bet. Oh,
0: that's great. So, um, what if, uh, now, on October 23rd, like we said, the Kickstarter will be released, and we heard also there's going to be a, a party for this Kickstarter. I love parties, so that's, that why, yeah. that's why I want to bring it up. So where it's going to be, and well, now I need to say that it's, it's going to be in uh, around the Indianapolis area, Indianapolis, Indiana area, yep. but so uh, whoever is listening that is close or can make the trip, it will be probably, well, I'm pretty sure it will be worth it, but can you tell us more about that, that uh, release yeah. party?
2: Yeah, for sure. We, we actually, um, we're based in Noblesville, Indiana, which is just outside Indianapolis, uh, really close, um, on the north side. But there's a, uh, a newer game store called Moonshot Games. And, uh, they have a nice little game shop. They've, they're expanding, uh, almost every time I go in there, they've, they've grown somehow. They're increasing their library and everything. But they actually recently just, uh, started another location, like right down the street, like just a block down. And it's called the Moonshot Lounge. Or, I think it's Moonshot Game Lounge, but okay. it's uh, like a little pizza place. You can get pizza, get some drinks, and just play games. It's uh, two stories, so there's like a nice little basement area. It's all, it looks all like d themed. They're trying to make it like their RPG area, and then they have the upstairs where you can get pizza and stuff. And it's a very, very nice game area, and I, uh, I think it just opened up recently, but that's where it's going to be. It's going to be on the 23rd, which is the launch day of the Kickstarter, so we're going to have it that night at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and the address anybody can can Google it. It's the the Moonshot Game Lounge, but it's 56 uh, 56 South Ninth Street in Noblesville. Okay. Um, and yeah, Adam and I will be there. I think it's like, I don't know how late it goes. Probably won't go super late, uh, given that it's a weeknight, but, um, we'll be there from 6 PM on until things start dying down and we can hang out, play, we can play street masters. We can talk about street masters. We can show off what we have. We can play other games, which we'll probably be doing a lot of. So come hang what
0: out. What about the photo ops? i this game? Oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll,
2: yeah. Anybody who has camera can snap whatever picture they want of adam i'll be hiding though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: from a picture from the twin tigers right like, <laughs> yeah there's a
2: chance we may or may not be in costume i don't know
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be great well it was uh very nice to to have you guys on the show and and what are you thinking about these uh, two amazing designers uh twin brothers twin tigers
1: yeah it was great uh, getting to know you guys thanks for answering our questions and looking yeah. forward to aftershock yeah,
0: yeah, yeah thanks for having have us guys yeah, yeah appreciate it more episodes in the future about expansions and you know, it will be, it will be interesting also to be following the, the besides projects that the Sandler brothers were bringing into our tables, gaming tables every, every week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Feel free. Whenever you see us uh, talk about new stuff, just be like, Hey, no, no just we'll hop on here and tell you all about it.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for all of you for listening to this uh, episode of solo BG podcast, by the way, in the, you can follow the Sandler brothers in Twitter. Can you can mention your Twitter, uh, addresses, guy, in that way, uh, everybody can follow you.
2: Uh, yeah, Adam gets tagged a lot as Adam Sandler, for some reason, so... <laughs> <He's> be <terrible>. careful. <laughs> my, my, my tag is
3: Adam B. Sadler.
0: Adam B. Sadler. And, what about and mine you,
2: Brady? is uh, mine's Brady J. Sadler.
0: Brady J. Sadler, okay. And the podcast you can follow us as a solo BG podcast on Twitter. Thank you so much. Don't forget to write a review over there on the iTunes. Uh, if you're listening to iTunes, in that way, we can keep on air. Or if you're listening to Spotify or Google Play or Amazon, if you're able to write a review, you can do it too, please. And thank you so much for listening and till the next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.